This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Change, Redefining Success, the podcast designed to inspire you and give you actionable information to enhance, up-level, reimagine, and reinvent your life and your livelihood. No matter where you started, where you are now, or where you've been, you too can lead an authentic, first-class life. Each week, new stories of turning points and transformation will help you define what success means to you so you can live your best life on your terms. Now here's your host, first-class life mentor and certified profiting from your passions coach, Kate Bessler. Welcome to Change, Redefining Success. I'm your host, Kate Fessler, and my guest today is Camille Kennard. Camille is a licensed clinical social worker, a certified health and wellness coach, and the founder of Flourish Wellness Consulting. Camille can best be described as a self-care specialist. Camille has a passion for helping stressed-out, busy people fit self-care into their schedules. She's a contributing author in the best-selling book, Turn Knowledge to Profit, where she teaches self-care strategies for business success. Camille hosts a weekly podcast, Wellness Wisdom, that focuses on education and inspiration to help people learn how to live happier and healthier lives. Camille understands most people want to be happy and healthy, but they don't know how and have limiting beliefs that hold them back. Camille is an expert in helping individuals learn the skills to be resilient to stress and anxiety by learning and practicing the skills of mindfulness and health. She teaches there are three secrets to lasting health and happiness, including one, mindful eating two, joyful movement, and three, stress resilience. Camille's mission is to help people make peace with their bodies and like who they are. Welcome, Camille. Thank you so much, Kate. Thanks for having me. You are a licensed social worker. Tell me about that. What led you to that field? Well, you know, it's interesting because I remember my grandmother saying to me, even when I was, I think I was, you know, a little kid, she said to me, you always had this ability to kind of have an intuition about other people's needs and their concerns and just really be caring about them. So as I, you know, was in school, I thought I always wanted to do something that was to help other people. And for a while it was to be, um, I was looking at being a, a marriage and family therapist, but after kind of looking at what the schooling was about for that, I decided it actually was more appropriate for me to be a clinical social worker um, and that it kind of gave me more options as far as helping people because you can work in a school system, you can work, you know, in a hospital, you can, there's just so much you can do as a social worker because it's a, a marketable career. So I knew I wanted to do that because I really loved being able to help people change their lives, help people, you know, through listening to them and just helping them see the good in themselves. So I kind of always knew I wanted to go in that path of a helping profession and, and social work was a good fit for me. So what did you do with it? Where did you work? Did you work in a school or a hospital or where? Yeah, so for quite a few years after I got my master's degree, I, I did a couple different things. I, you know, I wanted to see if I could do the hardest kind of social work. So I moved to Chicago oh, wow. <laughs> and I worked with inner city kids there and it was a great experience and a very difficult experience. And what I found is that 
you can you can have all the hope in the world to help people change but it's still their choice if they're going to change so I did that for a short term that was about um, about eight months um, and then I had worked while I was going to school in a program called neighbors helping neighbors where they helped elderly people be able to stay in their homes and so through that I found another um, position working with home care and hospice um, which actually led me to starting my business but um, the home care and hospice that I did was helping people with, you know, that they had physical health problems and I was helping them if they had depression or anxiety or different things associated with the problems with their chronic disease and their health. So I did that for about eight years um, and found it to be very rewarding. I, start, I started working with a hospice where I help people at end of life um, to really look at, you know, what their meaning in their life and kind of what what came to them when they were looking at everything that had happened in their life and then just helping them through the difficulty of having a disease, um, you know, just getting things ready for the end of life. So I did, I did that for about eight years as a social worker. Um, and I, I enjoyed the part of helping people's death be a little bit better. The hard part was seeing people die and having them say something like, I wish I would have taken better care of my body. You know, they're, they have diabetes and maybe they had to have an amputation or, there's problems with alcoholism, just different things where they wish their lifestyle would have been different. Mm. Um, and so that kind of led me to, you know, after working with chronic disease for so long, I did a lot of grief counseling, but I wasn't really able to change the situation with the disease. And so I wanted to start my business to do more preventative health care where I help people early on be able to look at themselves differently and change the way they deal with stress to help them really good self-care and take better care of themselves was there a defining moment when you said I don't want to do this anymore I want to start a business or was it sort of a gradual realization how did you get from there to where you are now you know that's a really good question and actually there is it's kind of a little bit of both um I worked with, I noticed that I was getting what they call compassion fatigue or caregiver fatigue sort of a thing where when you're listening to people's stories and like I say, at end of life, it's pretty, it could be pretty intense. You know, I'd worked with young people in their 30s dying of cancer. We even had a couple of babies that were dying. Um, and, and just knowing that that was, um, there was a point where I had a gentleman who at the end of his life he was very ill. He had diabetes. He also had heart disease. He was in a nursing facility. Um, and he looked at me and he said, I wish I had more time. I think he was in his early 50s. He was pretty young. Um, mm. I wish I had more time and I could make some changes. He had a poor relationship with all his family. So really his only support was our hospice. Um, he had kind of burned bridges with family members so that he didn't have that support. And I think that was one of the biggest defining moments where I thought, you know, this is really sad I, to see someone at this point where all I can do is listen to him about the, the grief that he feels and the sadness about being at the end of life and not being able to do what he wished he would have done. And, and that was kind of a defining moment for me where I thought, you know, I really would love to help people earlier on so that I can see the results of them making better choices and um, really do living more of a lifestyle of healthy, a healthy lifestyle. And I think also just being a social worker, you end up being the one that hears all of these stories, but also, you know, I was finding him a place to be buried. I was helping working with a mortuary. There was just a lot of pieces to his life that he had never really thought about 
what it was going to be like or where he was going to be buried or any of that. Financially, he wasn't set. So as a social worker, I ended up being the one kind of going through and doing all of that. And I just thought, you know, I, I'd always loved fitness. I, I had myself lost several pounds, like about 50 pounds, um, just by eating better and, and starting to bike and exercise. So I always had a passion for health and wellness. Um, and I thought, you know, I, I think this will be, you know, what I want to do is more the preventative side. Um, and just along with that was I actually myself got a coach. Um, she was a life coach and she was just helping me with, you know, all of us go through that time where we're like, what should I do in my career? I, I'm not really fulfilled. I, I can't see myself doing this for the rest of my lives. So I'm kind of burned out. Um, and she said to me, I said, I think I said something like, I, I don't want to just watch people die anymore. I want to help people be healthy. And she said to me, then why don't you do that? Like you could be, you could do health and wellness. Why don't, why don't you become a coach? And coaching had never crossed my mind. (laughs) So that's the power of having a coach that kind of puts the, you know, the seed in your mind of, Hey, have you ever thought of doing this before? And I had thought of, I wanted to do preventive healthcare, but I didn't know what arena or how I would do that. So that was the big moment when I, it was an aha for me where I said, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> I want to help people be healthy. That's what I should do. So, yeah. Perfect. So you focus on stress. Um, and we all know that stress, too much stress is bad for us, but there's some stress that's actually good for us. Give me a quick description of good stress and bad stress and how we can tell the difference. Okay. Yeah. So when you look at stressors that we, everybody has things that are pushing on us that are difficult for us in life. Um, and really the difference, I, and this is something I believe in that's actually been well-researched. I don't know if any of you um, have read the book, The Upside of Stress, but when you look at stress, and it's also a TED Talk, but when you look at stress, it's really the way we perceive our stressors. So for a lot of my clients, we talk about you know, if I told you right now that a tiger was going to come in this room, we would be really stressed out. We'd be trying to get out the window. We'd be trying to, you know, survive and, and, and they can relate to that. But I say, what if I told you it was a stuffed animal? You know, then what would you do? They're like, nothing. I wouldn't be scared at all. I wouldn't be nervous. So a lot of times our stress response goes off because we think that something that isn't, um, you know, life-threatening or scary is, is scary. Like, not being on time to work or not being, you know, just even our thoughts about ourself. Um, it's really the way we see our stress. It's not so much the stress. So good stress would be things like that are motivating to you, right? So for myself, um, you know, when I have a schedule that motivates me and knowing what to expect next is it can be stressful, but it's also can be motivating. Um, the bad kind of stress is really about what we, how our body perceives it. So if if our body perceives that it's, you know, um, it's scary to us or dangerous, then all of those hormones come out to try and, you know, the cortisol and all of that try to come out to save us from this negative thing that could happen to us. And so when we look at bad stress or stress that impacts us negatively, it's that kind of stress where our body sends out these hormones that are really negative and, and cause us, you know, things like exhaustion, fatigue, chronic health problems. Like I say, when I worked with people in hospice, I could, there's a lot of stressors that impacted their health that made their health worse. So really it's good stress motivates us. It helps us, you know, want to get to the next level 
and it's all in the way we look at it. A roller coaster could be scary or exciting. So if I look at my day and I say, oh, I'm so stressed out because I've got all of these podcasts that I have to record, then that is going to leave me with that feeling of, oh, no, and it's a negative stressor, which impacts my physical health. But if I look at it as, oh, this is so exciting, this is a great thing, um, then I don't have that same physical reaction. Does that make sense? Your physical reaction is not the same when you look at it as the good side of it. Absolutely. So I think I've heard that fear and excitement cause the same reaction in the body. Is that true? Yes. From what I understand, yes, that, that is the same. The, there's the same reaction in the body, although the excitement doesn't have the, like I say, the negative hormones. It has the positive. Like when you're, you know, you have endorphins and the excitement feels, um, it's an uplift to us rather than taking us on that negative downward spiral. If that makes sense. A lot of people live with stress and they think, they may not even think that they're stressed because it's just sort of the way of life. Yeah. So what are some of the symptoms or consequences of too much chronic stress? Well, like I say, um, there's a lot of physical health problems. Like people don't are not able to sleep. They don't get enough sleep or they're not getting good sleep when they are sleeping. Um, they are, may have digestional problems, you know, gastrointestinal problems, their stomach um, they may feel more fatigued. You know, a lot of my clients tell me, I just don't feel any excitement for anything in life. I'm just, I feel numb. I feel down, just exhausted all the time. Um, their mind can't, they can't concentrate. They can't focus. They're not creative. When we're stressed, I mean, it's almost like when that amygdala goes, you know, our, our fight or flight response, it, it turns off all the other parts to us to be able to really connect with what's going on with us, you know, what's going on in our environment. And so there's a lot of negative impact of, it's almost like not living in the moment. It's being distracted by this stress response where we're, we're feeling like we're in fight or flight, which if every day you thought you were being chased by a tiger, you know, ultimately that's going to impact you um, because your body's on high alert all the time. So our body needs that rest and digest time, and we definitely need the stress response in times of danger or times when we need to, you know, get things done. But if our body's too much in that high alert time, then it doesn't get that chance to to rest, and it can impact us with heart disease and diabetes and a lot of different problems from just not getting the the time that we need for our body to, to have that rest time. You teach people mindful health skills. Tell me about those. Yeah, so I I teach people really, you know, a lot of people at the beginning of the year want to say, you know, my New Year's resolution is I'm not going to eat any sugar and I'm going to exercise for an hour a day. And as we know, most people by February, they're done with <laughs> they're done with those New Year's resolutions and uh, because it is it, it is such a difficult thing to stick to. But what I've known from studying people who have healthy lifestyles is that people that actually live a healthy lifestyle, they are listening to what their cues of their body, what their body's saying. So I believe that we, are, each of our bodies, we have inner wisdom into what we need as far as the types of foods that we eat, um, when our body needs to move, and when our body needs sleep. But we often, in our our busy, busy world where we can be working day and night, you know, we've got electricity so we can stay up all night and work if we want. Um, 
our body doesn't isn't in tune with that. We're not paying attention to the cues of our body for rest, for um, you know e- eating and moving. So that's really what I teach people is really how to kind of be away from the distractions that we have. I mean, I don't know how many of us have said, well, I know I should get up from my computer, but I'm right in the middle of something, right? And so we spend four or five hours on the computer without getting up to stretch or move. And we've all been there where we just have a busy day and we say, I don't have time to eat, right? I, I hear all these stories and they're stories that I've, you know, it's a journey to be, to have a healthy lifestyle. There are stories that I've heard from so many people where it's like, we just, we push the, the, the button that says, I can't listen to you right now, body. I'm just going to do what I need to do. <laughs> and we don't listen to what it's telling us, you know? And so that's what I really help my clients to do is mindfulness is all about being present in the moment with your experience. And you're not judging yourself. You're just saying, I'm noticing right now what it feels like when I eat this or what it feels like when I get up and move more often. You're really just tuning into what the needs of your body are. So whether that's health to know if you're full or you're hungry or knowing that your body needs to go on a walk around the block so that you can think again and concentrate. Those are the things that, you know, I really help my clients with is really tuning into what their body, because I, the body knows what it needs, but we just, we often override that. You teach that there are three secrets to lasting health and happiness, including mindful eating, joyful movement, and stress resilience. I get mindful eating and joyful movement, but stress resilience is a little squishy. What does that mean? (laughs) It is kind of squishy, huh? Well, I believe that we can't, like you said at the beginning, it's, we're never going to be able to say we, there's a lot of programs that are stress management or stress reduction. And I think it's all good information, but we're never going to be able to take away all of our stressors. We can take some things off of our plate, but it's really the way we look at stress and how we handle stress rather than taking stress off our plate. As you know, I mean, as an entrepreneur, there are things we have to do as a, as a mom, as a, um, as an employee, there are things that you have to do that can be stressful. So instead of looking at it as I've got to take, I've got to avoid this stress How can we have a different relationship with stress? How can stress become, like I say, the good side of stress, stress being our friend, where we're able to look at stressors. um, And what I teach is a lot with, you know, breathing, mindfulness, and changing the way you see the stress, like I say, more exciting rather than fearful. And that that means that we can bounce back. It doesn't mean we're not going to have stress, but that stress isn't going to physically take us down to where, you know, we're totally completely burned out or we're having negative health implications from it um you know when we feel like we're stuck there's that tightness in our shoulders it's it's learning how to listen to your body when it's it, when it's giving those stress response those stress responses and learning how to get out of that so that you can be resilient to the stress your mission is to help people make peace with their bodies and like who they are that's a tall order for some of us <laughs> why is that important Yeah. So, you know, and it's a journey. And that's one thing I really want people to recognize. I teach a lot about self-compassion because I feel like in health and wellness, we're, we're really hard on ourselves. You know, I ate a cookie today and, and, and beat yourself up for it and all of that. But, you know, I just, I just believe in, in moderation in our health. And the reason that it's important for us to make peace with our body is that when we're distressed and we're always constantly in this not being okay with ourselves. You know, women are always 
you know, I even went to lunch with some friends the other day and they're always talking negatively about, oh, I, I gained this way or my body is this way and I don't like it. It's just a downward spiral. It's not a place to be that's positive. And I don't think everyone needs to be a certain size, but it's a belief that I love myself. It's building your confidence in yourself. It's building your opportunities in the world because you love who you are. And loving your body is really about loving who you are. If you, if you love yourself, then taking care of yourself, that's a natural part of loving yourself. Now, I think that a lot of people would say, you know, I maybe like my body, but I don't really love my body, you know, and it's a journey. So I have my clients say one thing they like about themselves, whether it's, you know, I really like my hair or I really like my hips or I love the way that my feet get me from place to place, you know. So just really looking at how we can express love and affection to our bodies and kind of make peace with this whole thing of, you know, the billion dollar society that we have that is saying that we're not enough with all of the health and you know health products that are out there you take this pill or do this thing and you'll lose all this weight really it's being peaceful with who you are and recognizing that your body is okay just the way it is unfortunately you know the media has told us especially for women that this is the only way to be is this certain look but my my belief is let's let's be happy to be who we individually are and I help a lot of my clients see the good things about themselves and about their bodies because staying in a place of love and confidence to your body just improves your life. And it, and it makes you more happy than it being in this place of dissatisfaction. You know, and, and if we can change it, you know, I had a time in college where I was overweight. I was about 50 pounds overweight and I didn't feel good about myself. And it was better when I changed some things, but that was based on changing it because it helped me with a better mood. It helped me feel better. It helped me just improve my life in general. So I think when we come from a place of loving ourselves, then it's a natural thing to want to, you know, improve the way we take care of ourselves. And health and well-being looks different for every person. Like I say, there's not a one-size-fits-all, but it's you being able to be okay in your body. You know, some of my clients say they feel good in their body when they're exercising or they feel good in their body when they know they've had a healthy meal that day. It's really just being in tune with what feels good for you, um, you know, to make peace with yourself, to feel happy in the world. You are a contributing author to a book called Turn Knowledge to Profit that came out recently. Tell me about the book and about your chapter in it. So I love this. The Turn Knowledge to Profit the, is a book all, it's, it's entrepreneur stories and their, you know, their experiences about how they were able to make a profit all, off of something that there was a natural ability for them. It was knowledge that they already had. And I, and I love the book because it's really about that each of us have our gifts and our skills that we can, we can use to better the world and make money from, you know, and, and the part that I really focused on, which I have a very strong passion for is that the whole thing of like, when you're thinking about the goose that lays the golden egg, if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't profit in our businesses. Our we are, we are the machine that runs our businesses. And if we're out of order, then eventually that's going to take our business down and it's going to and it's going to be detrimental to our lives. So in the book I talk a lot about, you know, being a, a medical social worker and some of the things I saw and how to prevent illness by doing simple things. It doesn't need to be big stuff. People think they need to work out an hour a day, but that's really not it can be very simple things. Um 
your beliefs about yourself are a big part that I talk about. And just what I said, tuning into your body, making sure that you're eating regularly and that you're moving your body every few hours, especially if you're sitting at a computer like many of us do. Um, and then also recognizing that we want really quick results, like we want to take a pill and, and lose that 20 pounds or whatever, but recognizing that this is about a journey of wellness, of trying new things, um, of, of adding it into your life. And I know for a lot of entrepreneurs, they think, well, I'm so busy. How can I add another thing? But what I've noticed is that if you connect it to something you already have as a habit, like for most of us, either brushing our teeth might be a habit. And if at that point you could do some stretches, some yoga right after you brush your teeth, or, you know, if your habit is, you know, every night you are on the computer for this amount of time, if you can have the habit of I'm going to take a walk around the block before I do my last little bit on my blog, you know, just really getting into putting yourself as one of the things that you're doing daily, that you're really taking care of yourself because it impacts your creativity, it impacts your ability to, you know, to live and be happy and it impacts your ability for your bottom line in your business. Speaking of books, we're at that point in the program where I'll have to ask you, what is one book or resource besides your own that changed your life that you would recommend to people? So the name of my business is Flourish Wellness Consulting. And the reason I named it that was um, based on the book by Martin Seligman about positive psychology. And it's called Flourish, just the word flourish. And that really impacted me because um, I this is what I teach is that we are just like a little tender plant and that our roots are our beliefs. And if we, if we concentrate on and focus on positive beliefs, and then we give ourselves the sunshine, the movement, the nutrition we need, we're just like that plant. We can flourish. Or we can, you know, if we ignore the plant, like some of my plants outside right now <laughs> that are burning in the sun, mm. then we, we don't feel as well. So I love, the, I love the idea of flourish in that, that whole thing of it really takes – those little things, like if I just watered my plant every day, it would still be alive, right? And it's those little things that we do for ourselves every day that really matter. And Flourish, the book actually talks about looking at what's going well and what's going right in our lives. And I feel like with health and wellness, a lot of times people are looking about what the negative is. Like, I'm not the weight I want to be and I, I can't, I'm t I eat emotionally and I can't stop eating this way or my body is just like this or there's a lot of the negative. And the whole thing about flourishing is you're looking for what's going right, what's going well. So whenever one of my clients comes in, I say, so what are the celebrations for this week? What did you do well? And they really want to go to, oh, I ate three cookies. But I say, well, what did you feel good about, right? What was it that made you feel alive? What was it that made you feel happy? What was it that made you, that you really felt good about this week? Because I believe that what we focus on grows so if we focus on positive in the way we think and what we do, then we're going to create more of that. It's like a momentum, right? When you focus on the positive, more of that happens. And that's what I feel like is so important in health and wellness is to really focus on what's going well and replicating what's going well so you can live a healthy lifestyle. An excellent segue into you also have a podcast called Wellness Wisdom. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I feel I, I love so I've been a clinical social worker for so long. So I've always loved to talk to people. And so my podcast, I feel like is in my genius, because I really love to just learn about people, what their passions are, what they enjoy and wellness wisdom. The basis for this is all about, again, that we 
can learn from our bodies. We can be wise in the way we take care of ourselves. It's not a diet. It's not a pill that you take. It's really being wise about how you take care of yourself. The time you spend on yourself, being mindful of your stressors, how you relate to your stressors, what you do when you're stressed. So Wellness Wisdom, I interview health and wellness professionals from everything from I've had chiropractor, herbalists, I've had people who do mental health counseling to coaches, anyone that can help us with mind, body, spirit, wellness. And they're sharing, you know, some of their experiences with transformation that they've had in their lives, you know, whether it's a transformation from feeling miserable to feeling happy or a transformation of losing 100 pounds or a transformation of just eating more herbs and recognizing how those help. So I love it because I'm giving people a chance to learn about a lot of different um, modalities that can help them with their health and wellness in a moderate way, you know, trying things that can help you get to that next notch in feeling great. And so I love it's It's been so much fun to just learn from these the people that I interview and also share some of my life experiences and my experiences with my own health and well-being, my own transformation. Um, so yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And it's every uh, Monday, a new podcast comes out. Um, right now, the one, the one we have right now is about a woman who healed her um, lupus autoimmune disease through some energy work that she was able to do for herself. And so there's just a lot of different um, ideas of things that can help us. And I, I feel like I want to build a community where people can learn different ways of, you know, different interventions that can help them live their best life and really take good care of their bodies. So it's been a lot of fun. It's every Monday. It's on iTunes and Spreaker. And um, it's every Monday at, it just comes out Monday morning. So it's called Wellness Wisdom. Yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. Camille, how do you personally define success? What does your authentic first-class life look like? I love that. I love what you're doing, Kate. You're doing some amazing things. Thank you for having me. Um, so my first-class life, my authentic, is really being um, in tune with living a life that's in, in line with my values. So the things that I value, like I value family time. So being able to see uh, my, my nieces and nephews and the family that's important to me. Um, it's, it's being in line with eating healthy foods and putting nutrition in my body. Um, it's, you know, being able to move every day, whether that's going on a bike ride or hiking. That's my, my definition of success is being in line with my values um, and I guess another part of that is not just being in line with my values for me, but to help other people and, and help them see the possibilities of what they can have in their lives. If people want to find out more about you and your work, how can they do that? So I have my podcast, Wellness Wisdom is a great way, as well as I have a, a, my own website. It's flourishwellnessconsulting.com. Um, I'm also on all the social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. Um, Twitter, and it's just Flourish Wellness. So yeah, I'd love to connect. What's next for Camille Kinnard? Um, You know, there's a lot of things on the horizon. It's kind of exciting. I'm doing my first Mindfulness in the Mountains wellness retreat coming up here in September. And actually, as of today, it's totally full. It's a women's wellness retreat. We're going to have yoga, massage, just some really good downtime with nature. 
um, giving people an opportunity to do some mindful eating, listening to their body. So I'm going to continue to do those every few months. Um, I also have a six-week course that people can take online that's all about how to create mindful health habits and how to really tune into your body and see results from that, you know, losing weight or feeling more energy or what, what those things that we want more of in our lives. So those are a couple things that are on the docket for me. There's a lot of other things I'm sure as, um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs out there, we always have these kind of fun ideas and things that we're doing. Um, but I, I, I love the retreat. Um, that's it's my first one. So I, I know I'll continue to do that. Um, and, you know, there's some things stirring around for my own book that, um, you know, I, I will be writing a book, it's just figuring out, you know, the timing and all of that. So, <laughs> well, keep uh, us posted on that. Yeah. Well, Camille Kennard, self-care specialist of Flourish Wellness Consulting and host of the podcast Wellness Wisdom. Thanks so much for sharing today. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's Virtual Office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's Virtual Office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's Virtual Office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. Back now with your host, Kate Fessler. We've talked about stress before on this podcast. There are many ways to reduce and relieve the effects of it, to establish stress resilience. And of course, self-care, which is something we all need more of in our daily lives. You can find links to previous shows of mine with guests who share their wisdom on topics of health and wellness on my website, firstclasslifesolutions.com. I encourage you to tune into Camille's podcast for ongoing information and education about how you can flourish in your health and wellness. It's been called to my attention that I've been neglecting the quote that I had been leaving you with at the end of each podcast. So here is one that goes with making peace with your body, said by one of my favorite actresses, Alfre Woodard. Everybody has a part of her body that she doesn't like, but I've stopped complaining about mine. I don't want to critique nature's handiwork. My job is simply to allow the light to shine out of the masterpiece. If you have something to add to the conversation, please leave a comment on my Facebook page, First Class Live Solutions. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen. Follow the show to be reminded of upcoming episodes and please tell your friends. What's your story? If you'd like to share it on this podcast to inspire others, please click on the link at the bottom of the show page and fill out the survey. If it seems like a good fit, I'll be in touch. I hope you'll join me next week for another interview with an inspiring woman. Until then, cheers to your authentic first-class life. I'm Kate Fessler. Thanks for listening to Change, Redefining Success. EWN Podcast Network. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN Podcast hosts at EWNPodcastNetwork.com.